Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, just in time for Mother's Day, comedian Louis Anderson talks about his new book of letters to his mom, the summer tourism season, and U of M athletic director Mark Coyle. But first, activity has reached nearly a fever pitch at the Minnesota Capitol with only about one week remaining in the 2018 legislative session. Bill Werner is here with a recap of the top issues that got lawmakers' attention this week. Scott, Governor Mark Dayton this week enlisted citizens' help as he continues pushing the legislature to allow any Minnesotan to buy health insurance through state-run Minnesota Care, which Republican leaders say will not happen. Butterfield farmer Brian Romsdahl said his family pays over $33,000 a year for health insurance premiums and deductibles. That financial burden is crushing us. Each year we continue to burn farm equity. Year after year we, we burn up equity. I mean, we our savings. I don't know if uh, with the declining uh, crop prices, if... Uh, how much longer uh, a lot of farm families like us are going to be able to hang in there. But House Republicans health care point man Delwood Representative Matt Dean says the solution is not to expand government-run health care, which did not work under the Affordable Care Act. The problem with health care is not that government isn't big enough, but that it's already too big. It screwed it up. Uh, it screwed up access to health care, and people understand that. If people are able to, more people can afford to by private insurance, that's going to lower the cost for everybody, and people understand that. Also this week, House Republicans pushed ahead to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot this fall that would dedicate the state sales tax on vehicle repairs to road and bridge projects. Minnesota Chamber of Commerce supports it, saying businesses need an efficient transportation system. But Duluth Democrat Jennifer Schultz questions... This money will take funds away from education and public safety, and employers also, I'm sure, value an educated workforce. So how do you square that dilemma? What we're talking about here is, is a very, very small slice of the, the general fund. That's Bentley Graves with the Minnesota Chamber. Senate Republicans this week unveiled their bonding proposal for state public works projects. And like the Minnesota House, the dollar amount at $825 million is about half of the $1.5 billion that Governor Mark Dayton is requesting. Roads and bridges would receive about 30% of the bonding money in the Senate's bill. That includes $174 million, a hefty piece to upgrade Highway 14 between Owatonna and Dodge Center. Greater Minnesota lawmakers are upset that MnDOT did not have more rural roads in its 2018 Corridors of Commerce funding list. And Rochester Senator Dave Senjum, who heads the Capital Investment Committee, says it's time to improve Highway 14. We want it badly. Uh, we want the governor to accept it. Uh, we want to get this done. Uh, people have waited a lifetime for this, and uh, uh, we just want to draw attention to it, get it done, and uh, hopefully this year will be the year. Some of Senjum's colleagues are pushing for a law requiring a 50-50 rural metro split in MnDOT's Corridors of Commerce choices, but others warn against the legislature micromanaging highway projects. Also in Senate Republicans' bonding bill is $32 million to build three new veterans' homes in Bemidji, Montevideo, and Preston. House Republicans want to get the money from the Viking Stadium Reserve Fund, to which Governor Mark Dayton says absolutely not. The Senate plan gets around that objection, but Dayton's budget chief, Myron Franz, said this week 
30-plus million dollars is not enough to ensure that the veterans' homes will actually be built under federal grant requirements and falls far short of the needed state match. Senator Sengem replies, the $32 million in his bill. We're believing that puts us in the queue with the federal government. Uh, will they have to make decisions about either one or all of those, or maybe one, two, or three? With the House and Senate now having both driven their stakes at the $825 million point on a bonding bill, How much are they willing to negotiate with Governor Dayton as the legislative clock ticks down to May 20th? House bonding point man Dean Erdahl told fellow lawmakers earlier, I can't guarantee that it's going to get bigger. Don't approach that as a sure thing that's going to happen. And Senator Sengem staked out that position even more firmly this week. The governor doesn't have to put together a bill that will pass. He can put together a bill that he likes. Uh, and uh, so we're putting together a bill that we hope to get bipartisan support. We have to find the sweet spot. We need, uh, we need uh, three-fifths of a vote to pass this bill to create debt, if you will, to pay for it. And uh, we're, uh, we're hopeful that the Democrats uh, will accept it and move with us on it. I think it's a good bill. Your counterpart in the House, Representative Erdahl, said to his committee members when they wrapped that bill up last week, says... Don't really expect it to be any more than this. He says, you know, there's often horse trading and people put their stakes in and they uh, kind of move toward each other, but don't really expect it to be any more but more than, than, than that number. Do you feel that way about yeah, this bill? Yeah, I have no expectations that uh, this bill will, will rise above $825 million. Uh, I mean, uh, there's just no money, frankly, uh, available to me at least uh, to, uh, to suggest that that's a possibility. So I'm moving into it and through it with the idea that this is it. Uh, one and done at 825. Senator Dave Sengem. As House and Senate lawmakers this week continued hammering out their differences over tax cuts and the supplemental state budget, Governor Dayton took his message on the road about what he terms emergency funding for schools. Keep pressing this case so that Minnesotans understand what's at stake here. 59 school districts are uh, looking at various deficits. That's the number we know. There are probably more. The governor requesting $138 million in one-time funding to help schools cover budget shortfalls. Republicans say they're not sure where that money will come from. And a bill limiting use of cell phones to hands-free while driving. Could get a vote on the House floor this session, but Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says that measure has lost steam in his chamber. V.J. Dixit tells lawmakers his 19-year-old daughter was killed by a distracted driver in 2007. And I actually want to say it in in a very forceful manner. The Senator Gazelka, you are talking like this because it hasn't happened to you or your loved ones. Gazelka says his heart goes out to people who have lost loved ones. Can't imagine, you know, the pain of that. Uh, That would not be how I would make decisions. Uh, We're trying to, you know, do what is the right thing to do? How do we do it? How do we make uh, laws that actually work? Senate Republicans talking about toughening penalties for distracted driving and improving driver education, but they acknowledge it's too late in the session to move bills forward this year. And so, Scott, here we go. Let's get ready for the last week of the 2018 legislative session. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish terrier hound chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm, I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring, a white, gray, brown, black brindle, simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. 
Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The kickoff to the summer tourism season is here. Tasha Radelp has more. That's right, Scott. The annual Governor's Fishing Opener has been dubbed for years the unofficial kickoff to the summer travel and tourism season. This year, the Wilmer Lakes area is home to the 71st annual Minnesota Governor's Fishing Opener, which has been a proud state tradition since 1948. Joining me now to talk all things fish opener is Alyssa Hayes with Explore Minnesota. Thanks for joining me, Alyssa. It's hard to believe just a month or so ago, parts of the state were dealing with 20-plus inches of snow and blizzard conditions. And honestly, some lakes in far northern Minnesota are still ice-covered. But luckily, Mother Nature has shifted gears a bit, and anglers in many areas of the state will be hitting the water this weekend. So just how many anglers will be taking part in this weekend's opener? There are more than 500,000 anglers that are expected to get out there and celebrate this year's Minnesota fishing opener. And when we talk about the the fishing opener and we look at all of the diverse bodies of water in Minnesota, I was really surprised to see uh, how much shoreline we actually have here in the state. That's right. There are, okay, so there's 11,842 lakes, 69,000 miles of rivers and streams, and that equals more shoreline than California, Florida, and Hawaii combined. So this is a premier destination for fishing fun on the water. And when we look at this, uh, do we have a lot of -of out-of-state anglers that come to Minnesota as well as in-state anglers? Yeah, absolutely. This is um, the fishing industry. It's a $2.4 billion industry. So, um, you know, there's a lot of anglers coming from every which way. And can you tell us a little bit about the, I mean, not the specifics maybe of this year's fishing opener, but uh, how the tradition got started having the governor's fishing opener here in Minnesota? You know, this started, um, this has been a time-honored tradition uh, back in uh, 1948 it started. So this is the 71st annual uh, governor's fishing opener. Um, Certainly not the fishing opener. It's been going on for many years before that. But, you know, it was really a... um, you know, something that our organization and host communities wanted to do to highlight the summer travel uh, opportunities and promote the many recreational opportunities statewide. So, you know, and, it, and it's, they've been doing a good job for 71 years. And when we look at the host city in this uh, year, it was in the Wilmer Lakes area. Uh, when we look at that, how do you folks go about picking the region of the state that you're going to host the event? Well, it's a bid process, so it, it is um, definitely up to uh, the host community if they want to do something like this. They can go ahead and bid on it, and and there are certain criteria to to be able to host them. You know, this event, um, uh, with as with any event all over the world, you know, there's certain criteria that comes into play. But um, really, it's um, ultimately up to the uh, active governor uh, who gets to host it. And going back to the state as a whole for tourism, how much money does this bring into the state? This is a $15 
billion dollar industry. So, so fishing is a big business. Uh, uh, 2.4 billion of direct retail sales go into fishing, and, and you know, that is certainly part of the the tourism industry. And I know uh, Explore Minnesota always does a wonderful job of, you know, giving uh, updates. And if folks are wanting to plan a staycation here in the state, you have a wonderful website. Can you tell us a little bit about that? ExploreMinnesota.com. That's right. We have so many uh, great resources there for travelers to learn about places to stay, things to do, uh, places to eat. I mean, we have dining guides. Uh, we have so many different things at ExploreMinnesota.com. And we also want them to get out there and, and share their sites along the way using our statewide travel hashtag only in MN. Uh, for a chance to be featured. That hashtag has 800,000 uses to date, so it is a a really great uh, resource on its own uh, just to see all of the great photos that people are sharing. And Alyssa, before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. You know, we sometimes forget that we have just a beautiful, like Minnesota is just a hidden gem when it comes to the outdoors and different activities that we have. Any story that pops up in your mind from someone that's come from another state that maybe didn't realize what we had to offer? You know, I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, we, they think that we are known, uh, well, they know that we're known for our lakes. Our statewide slogan is the land of 10,000 lakes. So when you ask someone, what do you know about Minnesota? Oh, I, I, I think you have a lot of lakes. Or, and then in some other cases, people have said, oh, the, it's flyover country, it's, or do you have a lot of farmland there? Well, a lot of people are surprised by the, the great culture and the, the amazing award-winning dining scene that we have in our state. Uh, so that, that is always um, really rewarding to hear. Well, lots of uh, great things. Anything else you wanted to add today, Alyssa, that I didn't hit on? Well, I hope everybody uh, plans their vacation and gets out there and explores Minnesota. I know I'm going to. Um, I certainly love trying out new things. Um, there's a lot of them to do in Minnesota. Thanks again to my guest, Alyssa Hayes with Explore Minnesota. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Who better to talk to for Mother's Day than Minnesota's own Louis Anderson? After all, the comedy legend not only plays a mother on the popular show Baskets, but he's also just released a new book, Hey Mom, Stories for My Mother, But You Can Read Them Too. Louis tells me all about the book and his special relationship with his late mother. I found the the story behind why you decided to do this pretty interesting. What compelled you to write this book? Wow. You know, like just sometimes you have a feeling you get overwhelmed and, you know, I just came home one day and I said, you know, God, I just, I really like to talk to my mom. You know, I've, I've done that before where I'll go, you know, just to be out somewhere and I'll go, Hey mom, how are you? I hope you're well. Love you. I miss you. But I had a, I felt compelled to reach out to her and say, Hey, I'm sorry. It's been so long since I've written. Um, I really have a lot of things to say. Um, you know, so I went on to write, you know, a three or four, five page letter that, you know, at the end of it, I said, hey, by the way, I'm also playing you on TV and people seem to like it. <laughs> so while asking all those questions and do that, that letter kind of formed the outline of the book. And so um, it was it it was like where it kind of just opened a floodgate. So it was really kind of a wonderful feeling and. Uh, bittersweet and a lot of pain and things that I wrote, but uh, 
a lot of really good things and a lot of good things that that helped me and and you know really things I I wanted to say to my mom and things I should have asked her when she was alive. You know, you mentioned that you you told her that you're you're playing her on TV. I wonder is there something other than that maybe about yourself and who you are now that you wanted her to know in particular at this time? I guess I wanted her to know that I was you know really grateful and thankful and for how much she had done for me. You know how much she had cared about me. How much she had cared for all of us, how much she protected us from my alcoholic father and how much of an effort she put in and all of her sacrifices that she gave up, you know, she gave up her whole life just to take care of us. And, and I wondered if, you know, was one of them to be, you know, more than she was as a mom, you know, to have a career herself, to do things herself, to, you know, those kind of things. So, you know, I had all those questions and, you know, why did you stay with dad so long? And what do you, what great thing did you do in your life, mom, besides me that you can tell me about that I didn't know? What were your fears? What were your, you know, I just wrote everything that came into my mind. And along with sharing with her all the things that have been going on with me um, and with my family and all my losses and all, you know, all those things, kind of just like telling her what's been up since she died in 1990. Since your mom isn't here, I'm curious, did you, were you able to put yourself in a, in a frame of mind where you were actually able to sort of have a, a dialogue with her about these things, or, or do those questions, do they just have to go unanswered for you? You know, Scott, a lot of them got answered when I wrote the book. Because I talked to my brothers and sisters, and I really thought about things, so a lot of them got answered the best they could, but there are some things, of course, that you didn't. So I was, my, the idea behind the book became also, hey, if your mom's still around, don't forget to ask her these questions for yourself. Can you give me an example of what kind of sense of humor your mom had? Well, like she'd see somebody who had a big stomach and she'd go, boy, He's got a big bay window, doesn't he? <laughs> and I never understood what she was talking about until one day I go, what's a bay window, Mom? She goes, you know, in the, in the house, there's a window that sticks out in front, and it's kind of like a bay window. And I just thought, boy, that my mom really is funny. I mean, that was really a funny thing. Though. And did she think that you were funny? Yeah, I think she did think I was funny, but... You know, I think it was hard for her to laugh at the stuff I did about my dad, I think, because she missed him. And, um, you know, I didn't make him always the nicest guy in my stand-up. And I think what um, I think what she always was, oh, that's cute, Louie, that's clever. Because I don't think your family really knows. I mean, I think they go, what? This is, she'd say to me, I don't really, I don't think that's how I am, Louie the way you described me. And I go, I think it is, Mom. And she goes, well, I don't think so. And then she'd do exactly what I was saying she was doing, you know? So I think that, I think it's hard for a family to always find you funny. My brothers and sisters think I'm really funny, but I don't know how, my, how funny my mom thought I was. Uh, before we wrap things up here, Louie, I'm wondering, uh, as I've mentioned a couple times, it's we're, we're doing this for Mother's Day. Do you have a, a favorite story or memory about your mom that comes to mind? I remember being at the White House with my mom and her asking me, do you think they'd mind if I took a bunch of napkins? 
I said, yeah. And then she said to me, what about the picture of Nixon? Do you think they'd mind if I took that? And it made me laugh, the painting. I, it made me laugh when she said that. Uh, very good. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Anything else you want folks to know about the book, Louie? I think it's a book that, that will help them ask their own questions about their mom that I think will be valuable to them and to their mom and maybe make that relationship even closer than it is now for them. Very good. Well, I've enjoyed the conversation, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you to my guest, Louis Anderson. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Golden Gopher annual road trip around Minnesota began this past week with stops in five towns over the course of two days. There will be two more days of visits later this month as well. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm, who's also the radio voice of the Golden Gophers, spent some time in the back of the bus with U of M Athletic Director Mark Coyle, who's wrapping up his second full year on the job this month. Well, Mark Coyle, here we are, uh, kind of an annual tradition now. We sit in the back of the bus on the Golden Gopher road trip for Minnesota Matters and uh, just leaving Hutchinson, Minnesota. We visited five spots earlier this week, and I know you always enjoy getting out and uh, seeing the fans that are uh, outside of the Twin Cities sometimes. Yeah, you know, Mike, it's, it's such a great opportunity for our coaches and, and our staff to uh, go out and see people in their hometowns, if you will. We ask people to come to the Twin Cities to support our student-athletes and coaches, and again, the road trip just gives us an opportunity to go to their hometowns and tell them how much we appreciate uh, their loyal support into our program. What has the feedback been like? I know there will be two more uh, road trip or two more days of road trips later in the month of May, but what's the feedback? Uh, what was it like earlier this week? You know, it's uh, re-energizing. You know, you have a chance to uh, spend time with our fans, and it makes you really humble to be at the University of Minnesota because we have such great support, uh, not only in the Twin Cities, but throughout the entire state. So when you have a chance to go to some of these smaller communities and spend time with the fans, it re-energizes you, it gets you excited, and it makes you really proud to know that people pay attention to what our student-athletes and coaches are doing. What message do you bring uh, to the fans? What, what kind of things do you want to say to them? Well, first and most importantly, I want to understand how much we appreciate their support. You know, Mike, you've heard me talk a lot about our goal of providing a first-class experience for all of our student-athletes, and we can't do that without the incredible support of our fans. So when people buy tickets, when they make a gift to the Golden Gopher Fund, when they come to events like the Golden Gopher Road Trip, it sends a strong message to our program, and it helps us provide that great experience for all 750 student-athletes. You've mentioned a couple of times, too, on this road trip that you're a guy that does not like conflict or confrontation, so to speak. And I think some might hear that on the uh, on the surface and say, well, how can you be effective leader if you don't 
handle confrontation, but you have a pretty easy answer to that. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, uh, I'm not very good at confrontation. You can ask my wife. I've never, won an, I've never won an argument. But what I have learned is if you're honest with people and truthful with people from the very beginning, uh, you eliminate a lot of that drama, that conservation situation. So, again, we've learned and we try very hard to be very honest with each other, with ourselves, with our student athletes, with our coaches, and most importantly with our fans. And we want to be honest. We want to get their feedback. And when you have those honest communications, you have trust and you avoid confrontation. We're with Mark Coyle. We're in the back of the bus on the Gopher road trip heading uh, back to the Twin Cities as we record this on a Tuesday evening. Um, Lindsay Whalen was not on the road trip because she has some other things going on with the Minnesota Lynx. Of course, a, a recent hire as the women's basketball coach. I would assume the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive with, uh, with that news. Yeah, you know, obviously when we hired Lindsay, I, I uh, you know, look back on it, we should probably hire her to have been our head football coach. It was so popular, but she, uh, she's done an awesome job. You know, we're just so grateful for Lindsay and not only what she's done for our program, but what she's done for basketball in the state of Minnesota. You know, from growing up here, from her success at the high school level to obviously at Minnesota, taking us to the Final Four, and then now in the WNBA and what she's done there. And, and we feel so fortunate that she's our head coach. And, and I can tell you the students on our women's basketball team were thrilled when we named her the head coach. And we, we really look forward to support Lindsay and helping her in that program do the special things we know they can do in the future. She's filled out her staff now with the assistants and there is probably some things that they will have to do with her playing this summer. Kind of take me through how you think that process will play out. Well there's no doubt she's going to be incredibly busy. You know, I had a chance to talk with Lindsay this week earlier in the week about uh, you know how we try to balance that schedule and, and right now she's doing practice with the Lynx as they're in training days actually starts some of their exhibition games in the afternoon she's on campus making phone calls, uh, emails and that type of stuff but she's put together a phenomenal staff and I know that staff is going to support her and help her as we go through the summer recruiting and then as we go through the link season we'll just make sure we provide her the support the resources she needs to do both opportunities and again we're very confident she can do it and again look forward to getting her here and seeing the impact she has on the program. The new men's hockey coach, Bob Motzko, uh, who came from St. Cloud State, has been on the road trip, and one of his great lines that has drawn a couple of laughs was, for about a week, he was the toast of the town. He was on every front page of the newspaper, radio show, TV show, and then you hired Lindsey Whalen, and no one's heard from him since. It's a joke, but there's a little bit of truth in that, too, but uh, certainly you have to be thrilled with the, the response you've gotten from that hire also. Yeah, you know, first off, you know, a shout-out to our hockey alumni. As you know, uh, Minnesota hockey has a proud, proud tradition, and, and when we were going through our search for a hockey coach, I had a chance to reach out to a few of our former students and get their feedback and the one name that came up each time was Bob Motzko and, and when I had a chance to sit down with Bob and visit with him about the opportunity he was excited about it we were excited about it you know leaving St. Cloud State was not easy for him uh, he did wonderful things up there and that place means a lot to he and his family but we're just grateful for Bob and his family for believing in us and he understands what's in front of him with Minnesota hockey and we look forward to a bright future of that program as well. You know following it from afar you really you know I really respected what he did and uh, and now having been around him for the first time you know in some great detail and watching him operate it's pretty interesting to me at least my observation is this unique blend that he's very excitable people can get excited about it but he kind of brings this almost macho coolness to the situation like yeah this program's going to be in pretty good shape yeah, first off, I think Coach Mosco would love that you called him macho and cool in a sentence. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, you hear me talk a lot, Mike, a lot about low ego, high output, and, and I think Bob exemplifies that. You know, he uh, he uh, works incredibly hard. He's incredibly humbled, and I think he understands what Minnesota hockey is. He understands that we're the big stick in college hockey. Hockey's very competitive now, but there's no doubt we have the resources in place, we have the personnel in place, and we think we can build this thing and do some special things. And uh, you know, winning conference championship is awesome, but we clearly. 
understand the expectation of Minnesota is to win national championships. And in order to do that, you got to get to the frozen floor and give yourself that opportunity. And Bob understands that and he embraces that challenge. All right, thank you. Thanks so much, and go Gophers. That's Gopher Athletic Director Mark Coyle and MN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.